Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Every believer is on a journey of faith, and everyone that walks this journey of faith is going to be challenged to deal with fear because of the giants that we encounter. In today's message, we look deeper into the six types of fears that we all face and the solution that God has already provided to overcome our giants. Today's message is titled, Facing Your Giants, Overcoming Fear, from our series titled, The Journey. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Lord, we have been talking about the journey. Every Christian life is established with a purpose. When you say yes to Jesus, your life receives a eternal purpose, which cannot be broken, which cannot be destroyed and cannot be shaken. It can only be given away. When you say yes to Jesus, there is a destiny imprinted on your life. There is an expected outcome that God has for you because the word says that with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. But why would he draw us? He would draw us because he loves us. And with that love, his desire and his expectation for anything that you love, your desire and your expectation for anything that you love is that it prosper and that it be in health and it do well and that it achieve everything it was designed and sent to do. Amen. Whatever you love, you pour out over. I know when all of y'all was young in love, and you make that phone call, and you be on the phone so long, long, long. You still there? Because <laughs> it then got quiet, but you don't want to hang up. Amen. <laughs> Amen. See, I grew up in a time when it was a toll call to call outside of the city of Oakland. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a toll call. Amen. So if I met you and, and you were outside the boundaries, that was going to be the measure, whether I wanted to pay that extra five cents a minute. <laughs> That's a toll call. I can't, no, no. Find somebody in the boundaries. <laughs> Amen. But that infatuation that we experience is a love, a form of love. It is the, is the kindling of our feelings toward another. And God says, I love you with an everlasting love. I have a love for you that goes past infatuation. It is, in fact, deeper. It is so deep that it is everlasting. I said, my love for you is everlasting. It's not temporary. It doesn't find out that it's five cents extra to call you and give up on you. It doesn't see your fall, your falls, your faults and your sin and say, I can't love you anymore. It looks and sees you how you are and who you are and it loves you through it. Matchless love of God. Amen. 
God saw me as an atheist and loved me. God saw me curse his name and say he doesn't exist. And he loved me through it. Amen. And such were some of you. (laughs) Amen. The matchless love of God was patient with you and saw you through it. So when you become saved, you begin a journey with God. And that journey is God then saying, my love and your life are now intertwined. And you now have a course of life, a pathway for you to walk. And I want to show you how to walk that path so that you get all of what I desire for you. That is what discipleship is. Discipleship is us learning how to walk with God so that we get everything that God has for us, which usually includes us making an impact on other people's lives. (laughs) That's what discipleship is. So we can study the Bible all we want, but if you don't become a disciple, then we're not on the journey that we're intended to be on. Amen? God's journey for you means that he wants you to become a disciple of him and that you might become a disciple. How? By learning to follow him, by learning to walk with him, by learning how to cultivate the relationship between you and God. And if we believe God, then we have to believe that there's a devil. And if we believe that there's a devil, we have to believe that there is a deceiver. And that deceiver will try to stand between you and God to keep you from what God desires for you. Amen. So the devil is not always that which looks, quote, evil. The devil is that which stands between you and God to try to keep you from God's expected end for you. And he's often manifested as a giant. Amen. Real quickly, let's look at our foundation. Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So John is telling this to those that are in the church. Is that I want you to understand something. I have a prayer for you. I'm praying for you because I believe this is the will of God. My prayer for you is that you may prosper. Say prosper. Prosper. And be in health. Say be in health. health. Even as your soul prospers. As he said, that's my will for you. My prayer for you is that I believe what God wants for you. I believe God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul is prospering. So he gives us two objectives that God has for us, and then he tells us one method. The two objectives is, number one, that you may prosper. And the word prosper means to be equipped for a journey. And you may prosper. You have everything you need for your journey in life. Every single thing that you need for your journey in life that you may have it when you need it. Amen? There was these guys, there was, a, there was a, a, these miners, and there was a, a, a collapse in the mine in Venezuela a few years ago. And so these guys are stuck down in the ground. And after the fact, one of the guys said, he said, down there, a can of tuna would have been worth more than a bar of gold. Amen. You down in the hole for 39 days, 
I found gold. So what? Can you find some tuna down here? <laughs> We're hungry, man. We need some food. The gold means nothing. And life is like that. There are things that we find that we say prosperity is gold. Prosperity is not gold. Prosperity is having what you need when you need it every time you need it. Amen. Amen. That's why Jesus says, see, he said, foxes have holes, but the son of man doesn't even have anywhere to lay his head. (laughs) Jesus is dressed in a way that when he is crucified, they have a fight over his clothes. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Recently, um, there's a man, a very, very famous preacher, who's now denouncing something that he was preaching for a long time. And he said, God said, I should never do this again. And everybody's, what do you think? What do you think? I think this, there's only ever been one gospel. <laughs> there ain't no this kind of gospel, that kind of gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one good news that comes from God. And if you've not been preaching that gospel, you have not been preaching God. Amen. So what does this say? It says here, I'm praying that you prosper. But now everybody's on this bandwagon that you shouldn't say the word prosper. No, I'm going to say it because it's in the Bible. (laughs) Amen. Now, if somebody was misusing gifts that God, that people gave for their own benefit, then that's their problem. I'm not going to stop preaching the Bible now because somebody got a revelation. The revelation's been in the Bible. Amen. Amen. How about this? Instead of telling everybody what you ain't going to preach no more, find all that money and give it back. If you think you misused it, then fix it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That ain't my message today. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the Bible is where we get our foundation from, and we can't be moved by what people say. Because I was sitting in a group of preachers, and they said, what do you think? I said, I think it ain't but one gospel. And if he's been leaning on something that wasn't the gospel, he ain't been preaching. He's been talking. Preaching is not, ah, where you may, where you got people emotionally stirred, that ain't preaching. Preaching is the proclamation of the word of God. And sometimes you may have to, ah, to get people, but there may be something in what you are and about that is founded on the word. I ain't hating on it. I went to a pre, I went to, listen, I grew up in a church where the pastor, well, he was the president of the, the National Baptist Convention. He could preach like nobody's business. He got books on preaching. So I've heard good preaching. But he also had the word. I also witnessed him when I was a child, even though I grew up to be an atheist, under his teaching. I also witnessed him in sincerity when he was doing a wedding in a little house on his knees before the wedding, asking the Holy Ghost to bless him, to give him the words to say. I saw sincerity 
I saw, I saw that, that, that picture of someone saying, you know what? When nobody's looking, I call on God. Amen. And when the sincerity of message and the sincerity of the word is there, then we will prosper. But that's what we have to keep our focus on and not the way we hear it. Matthew 6 and 33 says this. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The reason you don't have to chase stuff is because if we seek the kingdom, the kingdom has all the stuff we need. Which is why Paul could say, listen, uh, uh, John could say, he said, listen, I'm praying that you prosper. Because I know that God can provide everything you need if you seek the kingdom. I know you can prosper if you seek the kingdom. Amen. And all of us have been in situations where we're chasing stuff instead of going to God and finding out how God says to get it. Amen. So prosperity is connected with being on your Christian journey and your walk. And your walk in Christianity is dependent upon your trusting in God for what you need to do. And we said that there's five areas of our growth and our maturity and of our prosperity that we want to keep in mind. And number one is your relationship with God, is that you were born to have a relationship with God. God is a father. In the Old Testament, he was Jehovah. But in the New Testament, when they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, he said, pray like this. Pray, Abba, Father. He said, don't call him Jehovah. Come on. (laughs) He said, you don't have to call him the far off God. He said, call him Father, our Father. In other words, He ain't just your Father. You ain't nothing special about you. Amen. You ain't you ain't unique. You ain't you ain't the only one to hear from God. Our Father. He's the Father of us who have called on His name. Our Father. Now His character is Jehovah. His character, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the the lover, the peace. He is all those things, but you get to call him father. I coached a team that my son was on and all the kids called me coach. My son called me dad. Everybody on the team calls me coach because that's what I am. But he gets to call me dad. Because of relationship. Amen. See, everybody else can call him Jehovah, but you can call him Abba. Because of relationship you have with him. Father, Father, I'm in need. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. Father, pray in this way. First thing, call him Father. So the very first area of our life and our prosperity is to know God as Father, our relationship with him. The second area is your relationships with others, that God puts us in proximity to people, puts people in our lives to become a blessing to us. And there's multiple kinds of blessings that they are. Number one, there's the blessing of my resources and your resources come together and we're both blessed. Amen. There's the, there's the blessing that I come and I share with you. I pour into you and you become enriched because of what I say to you or what you say to me. Amen. And then there's the iron sharpening iron. Amen. Which is I come to agitate you with a special anointing to get you to grow up. And I come into your life with a special anointing to, to, to just work your nerves so that you develop in patience and let patience have its perfect work in your life. Amen. So there's more than one kind of way people can have a blessing to you. 
Uh, I just, uh, it's the funniest thing. One of the funniest things, I, I just, uh, just tickles me every time I think about it. A friend of mine, we were working together, and somebody came in the room and said something to her. She said, that woman gets on my everlasting last nerve. And I've been saying it ever since, because it just, <laughs> it just got me. See how you get on somebody's everlasting last nerve. <laughs> you hit my last nerve, but my everlasting last nerve. <laughs> man, that is, man, we, uh, that just, that cracks me up. Hallelujah. But people come into your life, iron sharpens iron. And we said that if you are hardcore, then that means God has to send something as hard as you to sharpen you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Woo, husbands and wives say, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Amen. If you think your spouse is difficult, <laughs> you may ask, why did God send them to me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I ain't calling no names in here. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, Lord. I found the nerve on that one. Amen. Amen. Number three, you are gifted. You're gifted, number one, with natural gifts. God poured natural gifts into Adam, the first man. And from that first man, woman was brought out of man. So now you got man and woman. They're gifted. They put their gifts together. And now we have the process of how all of us get gifts Physically in our life. You genetically are gifted. You are born gifted. Amen. Anybody who tells me they're not gifted, you're going to have a problem. Me and you're going to have a problem. You want to find out how to get me fussing at you? Tell me you don't have no gifts. <laughs> Amen. Tell me you're not. Tell me I don't, I don't, have, I don't have nothing. You say that. Let me, let me hear that. We, me and you, we will, you know, I'm easy going, but if you want to push my button, that's the one to push. (laughs) Tell me you're not gifted. And I'll tell you that's not true. Everybody's gifted. Everybody's gifted in a multitude of ways. Our job is to take all the gifts we have and put them in it together in a way that it benefits the world. How do you take all that you have and how do you take what you have, what you've been given, what you have at your access and how you take those things and how do you benefit the rest of the world by it? Facebook benefited the world because people had natural gifts in computer technology, but they understood something that we can create an environment in which people who are not connected can connect because there's a need for connection in the world. And Facebook is born out of the, somebody having technology, talents, and bringing it into a totally different environment, which is relationships. And the combination of technology and relationship created a business. That's how all businesses work. Somebody takes their, what they have, they discover what the need is, and they apply what they have to a need. And if the need is strong enough, it accelerates. Amen. (laughs) So your giftings are in you. But the second level of giftings is then 
God then takes your natural gifts and puts ministry gifts with it. In other words, he takes your natural creation, how you're wired, and he makes it an application to ministry. So he uses what you are in order to anoint you to do ministry. And then he adds a whole nother level on is that if your your natural gifts and your ministry gifts aren't enough, then by the Holy Spirit, he brings spiritual gifts and he takes you over the top with those to testify that he's real. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm gifted and don't you doubt it. (laughs) Amen. Gifts are based on anointing. Anointing is God's supernatural power to get stuff done. If somebody tells you anointing is anything else, yes, anointing breaks yokes, that is getting something done. Yes, anointing sets people free, that's getting something done. But anointing is always sent for purpose to accomplish something. Amen. And if you feel an anointing, then you need to do something. (laughs) Amen. All right. Number four. Being made alive, made whole, sozo, alive. God makes us alive. He said, if the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus is in you, he will quicken your mortal body. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, he will make alive your mortal body. Tell your neighbor, say you're alive. Well, I meet a lot of Christians who act dead. Don't be dead, be alive. And be alive as long as you're breathing. Amen? Amen. Number five is kingdom supply, which is based on access by faith. So these five areas are the areas that your life is moving through and that God is prospering you on your journey. Now, this kingdom supply we haven't talked about. We're going to talk about it. But as I was preparing for it, I was sharing some things with Tammy. I was preparing for it. And then all of a sudden, this little Holy Spirit just told me to deal with something. And that is facing your giants. Amen. Giants in your life are those obstacles that stand between us and God's promises or expected end for us. So a giant is something that presents itself as an obstacle or a barrier to you that you cannot cross and you can't get by now i'm gonna look at a couple of passages real quick we looked at some other things and uh uh, recently let's go uh, last week but we're gonna hit these real quick before i dig and i'm gonna expose the devil amen numbers chapter 13 and we're just gonna look at the screen numbers 13 verse 32 we know this is the children of israel getting ready to go into the land of promise except they went to spy it out and came back with a bad report So 10 of the 12 spies came over and it says they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all of the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. I want you to notice something here. The land through which we have gone as what? Spies. 
Now, if you go somewhere as a spy, it means you're trying not to be seen, right? In general, spy, a spy that is seen is often not really a spy, right? He's a visitor. Amen? You come in as a spy, you're supposed to be invisible. They can't see you. (laughs) Now, let's go to the next verse. There we saw the giants. Yes, you're a spy. You're looking at the giants. The descendants of Anak from the giants came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. You're a spy. They didn't see you. So why are you having an impression that they saw you if you're the spy? You made it out, which means they didn't see you. Listen, if I see somebody in my backyard that's not supposed to be there, I see them. They're going to get out running or they're just going to get out. But once they seen, there's going to be some action. There's going to be something said. Hey, what are you doing in my backyard? <laughs> that's the warning, right? You ain't supposed to be here. <laughs> So exposure, that's the first level. Now what's next? He going to sit down in a chair. What? <laughs> We're not, that ain't going to be how it's going to happen. Because if somebody now is resisting moving off your property, you're going to do something about it, right? So these guys are spies and they weren't caught because nobody ran them out. <laughs> they weren't seen because somebody would have ran them out. But their impression internally is that they were seen as small. Where did that impression come from? It didn't come from outside. It came from inside. Amen. Giants. We're going to go to 1 Samuel, verse, chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. This is the Philistines, the Israel, this army of the Israelites standing on the hillside, getting ready to fight the Philistines who have come to their backyard. <laughs> Remember we said last week that they, they, the Philistines actually came to the land that Judah owns? So they're on their land and the Philistine, Goliath the giant says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. I'm in your backyard. I hear you tell me to get out. And they say, I defy you. (laughs) You want the picture to be real clear, right? You're looking out your window. There he is, standing in your backyard. You say, get out of here. He says, I'm not going nowhere. As a matter of fact, send somebody out here. I I want to make this really plain what's happening here, right? Give me a man that we can fight. Send me out here, somebody. You you want me to leave? Send somebody out here to fight with me. (laughs) When Saul, the king of Israel, and all of the army, Israel, heard these words of the Philistine, they were what? Dismayed and greatly afraid. Amen. He's in your backyard. You tell him to leave. He said, I ain't going nowhere. Matter of fact, you come out here. He said, 
They were dismayed <laughs> and greatly afraid. I'm not going back there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> go to Genesis chapter 3. I want you to keep these pictures in your mind as we go into the next level here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. This is Adam after he and Eve have eaten the fruit and their eyes were opened. Then all of a sudden, God called out to Adam and Adam says, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He heard God's voice, the voice he'd heard so many times, a voice of fellowship previously, but now all of a sudden he recognizes he's naked, he's offended God, something's gone wrong, and he says, when I heard your voice, I hid What was comforting to me before has now become frightful for me. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. In other words, something happened, something transpired that changed me. God's voice didn't change. Adam changed. And because Adam changed, all of a sudden now he's afraid. Giants are those things that stand between us and God's expected end for us. But giants create an emotion. And the emotion that giants most often create is fear. Tell your neighbor, say, I ain't scared. (laughs) If you Google fear, you'll see a bunch of lists. The 31 top fears people have. 10 top fears that people have. You'll hear all kinds of, you'll see all kinds of stuff. And, and when I Googled, I was doing the research for this, I, did, I Googled it, they had fear of insects, fear of spiders. Now, they in separated spiders and insects. They got two different names. Right? They had fear of flying. They had fear of, of non-fresh air. They had, fe- they had all these lists of things. I'm like, man, they had fears I never thought about. Fear of open space. Yeah, you know the name? It's, got, it's, it's a formal name. Fear of open space. If, there's, if it's too open, people get nervous. Then they got claustrophobia. Fear of it's too big. Fear of it's too small. Fear of bugs, fear of animals, all kinds of fear, fear of breathing, breathing, all kinds, all kinds of fear, all this fear. But no matter what you, well, what you put labels on it, there's really comes down to six kinds of fear. And I'm going to talk about them real quick, because like I said, I want to call, I don't want Goliath to have his name. I want to give him a name. Amen. I'm going to call him Shorty. I'll see you in my backyard, Shorty. I'm coming out there after you. <laughs> Amen. I want you to listen to these, and I want you to listen to some of the manifestations of them. Number one is the fear of failure or poverty. Fear of failure or poverty. What does it look like? When that fear comes upon people, it makes us indecisive. Because we're scared of making a mistake. It causes worry and doubt. We're concerned about tomorrow. 
what's going to happen. It causes overcaution. Again, once again, scared to make mistakes. It causes procrastination. Again, because we don't want something to go wrong. It's not perfect yet, so I've got to wait. And then probably the worst one of all, indifference. Indifference is really bad because indifference means I just don't care anymore. I'm indifferent. I don't want to make a mistake and I don't want something to go wrong, so it's easiest for me to stay in neutral and live in neutral. And if you try to push me, I'm going back to neutral. I'll run on your momentum, but when the momentum runs out, I'm going back to neutral. Second fear is the fear of rejection or criticism. Rejection or criticism. It gets manifested in self-consciousness. I hid myself because I was naked. See, the first manifestation of sin in the human life was self-consciousness. They ate the fruit and their eyes were open. They became self-conscious. No longer did they just see how good God was to them. Now they saw their own inadequacy. And it made them reject the love of God. (laughs) We're watching this uh, TV show and this... uh, it's one of these reality shows. And this person was uh, totally insecure in a relationship. And the person said, what's, what's wrong? They said, I, sometimes I feel like I'm not good enough for you. That's that spirit talking. That's that spirit talking. And that spirit saying, I'm not good enough. It's the spirit that makes people hide. Because we don't want others to know who we really are. A man was uh, doing well. He was in a recovery home that I was doing some teaching at, and he had a relapse. And so I saw him one day, and he saw me, and he wanted to hide. I wouldn't let him hide. I chased him, as a matter of fact. Because I understand the love of God. And so I I don't want to settle for somebody believing that they can hide from me when things aren't good. Or that my expectation of them that they have to live perfect or they have to be perfect. Because if you're not perfect, then I can't be with you. I can't be around you if you don't measure up. And it's that fear of rejection and criticism, which is sometimes why some people become very sensitive when you criticize them. Because if you knock their self-image, it hurts. But it's steeped in a fear. See, I got to name the giant, and if your giant gets named, don't worry about it, because I'm going to show you how to deal with him. Number three, fear of weakness or sickness. It makes people self-medicate, even if there's not a reason to. And sickness doesn't have to do with just physical sickness. Sometimes sickness can be sickness of the heart or mind. It causes people to have hypochondriac behaviors. And that hypochondriac behavior is sometimes expecting and receiving bad reports even before the report is given. Self-diagnosis. Amen. 
You went to school to be a welder, but now all of a sudden you can diagnose what's going on in your body. Amen. I know this is something. I know it is. <laughs> what's your, how'd you get your diagnosis? I just know it is. <laughs> Amen. It makes us yield to sickness before sickness is any more than symptoms. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The other thing it does is it, makes, it puts us in a position where we start to garner sympathy. It makes us project weakness so that people will come to our aid. Number four. Emotional wounding or love. You get afraid of emotional wounding or being or giving love. That manifests in jealousy. Jealousy. Love or emotional wounding. Fear of love or fear of emotional wounding. It manifests itself first as jealousy. It's one of the big ones. Because I finally got love and don't nobody mess it up. Why are you getting so close? Why are you talking to them? Why is this going on? What about that? Who is this? Who is that? Let me see your phone. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this, this, this person told a joke back when they had, uh, back when they had pagers. <laughs> when they had the pagers, this lady said she took her, she took her guy's phone and she said, I want to know who low sale is. <laughs> who is she? I want to know who she is. <laughs> low sale was low battery. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's jealousy right there. Who is low sale? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. So jealousy is, a, is, again, a manifestation there. Then there's fault finding. Fault finding means that rather than get close to somebody, close to somebody, you find faults with them before they get too close so you can keep your wall up. <laughs> Amen. And then there's desperation. And desperation makes us try to please people even beyond our capacity to keep them. That usually looks like gambling I'm going to get this big one to keep my family together. My wife wants all this stuff. I, I, don't, have, I don't have access to it, so I'm going to get it another way. And so I'm going to get this to make her happy. Because if she's not happy, I'll lose her. And so that fear of loss makes people do things that they shouldn't do. But it's a spirit of fear. Causes people to lie about their circumstances. Meet some, oh man, this girl's beautiful. I'm going to tell her I'm a doctor. 
Bro, she going to find out you ain't no doctor. <laughs> she going to find that out pretty quick. Oh, yeah, I'm a doctor. I work at Salsa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. What medical school did you go to? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they just pull one out of the air. <laughs> oh, I went to Berkeley Medical School. Oh, I didn't know Berkeley had a medical school. <laughs> sounded, <laughs> sounded good. They, like they should have one if they don't. Uh, <laughs> Amen. All right, number five. And y'all heard me say this is a pet peeve of mine. The fear of aging or missing out. I had somebody who just, every time they seem they wanted to say, we're getting older. Like, if you don't stop saying that to me, I know how old I am, and it ain't no problem to me. <laughs> Amen. I'm on a journey. I got a long ways to go. Amen. I'm not confessing a finish line already. I don't know where the line is. So I don't know if I'm old or not. <laughs> Amen. If I knew my life was just going to 60, I'd say, man, I'm old because I'm almost there. But I don't know where the line is. So I'm going to confess I'm old. I don't know where the line is. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I'm not worried about that. I'm not concerned with that. I will not let that be a fear for me. Because what that does is it starts to put people, listen close, it starts to put people in a position of regret. Because you start thinking about everything you haven't done yet and when am I going to do it? And man, I got to do this. Matter of fact, fact, I ain't got got time for church no more because I got to live my life. Sorry, it's true. It's a fear. Goliath is in the yard. He's telling you, what you going to do? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> what else does it do? It makes people give up on dreams. And I'm going to tell you how, this is how the devil works on this. When I was, uh, when I graduated from high school, nobody in my family had been to college. And so my parents said, you got to get an education. Go. You either got to join the military, got to go to college, you got to get your full-time job, but you got to get out of here. Right? You know, the, the, th- the three rules, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to college. And so I went to college. And when I got to college, I was met with some unexpected things in college. And I said, well, plan B, I'm going to the military. And so I went to the military. And so then I went to the military and got out, got to get a job. But when I get a job, I start realizing, man, I got to finish college. And then here I am, a really young man, and in my mind, I'm too old to go back to college. I'm in my early 20s saying I'm too old to go back to college. <laughs> I'm too old to go back to college. I can't go back to college. What's that? The same spirit because it don't care how old you are. You can be really young thinking you're too old to do stuff. Amen. It's a fear. It don't, care. it don't have no boundaries. It don't have no territories. It don't care. It will attack you if you're susceptible to it. Amen. 
And so I hear him, a young guy, I need to go back to school to go do what I want to do. But Goliath is sitting in the backyard and he threatened me so much, I never left the house. Amen. (laughs) I'm telling y'all, we got some stuff to do. Giving up on dreams or ambitions and losing initiative. Those are all manifestations of that fear of aging or missing out. And the last one is the fear of death. And I don't even have to explain that one. Amen? Anybody in here in this room experience any of these? Because fear is common to all people. There's nobody who walks this earth that doesn't deal with some kind of fear. And most fears that you experience are going to find their way into one of those six areas. And ultimately, even though the fear of bugs and and arachnophobia and spiders, really, they might be fear of that thing. Those are the giants. The real fear is the fear of what may happen to me. I might get wounded, hurt, might get sick. It might bite me. I might have pain. I might experience this. Bro, it's this big. You're probably a million times, without exaggeration, a million times larger than this thing. But why is it striking such fear? There was a, there was a bug that got in my house. It was an ugly little bug. It was an ugly little thing. And my daughter saw it. And she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because it, it came out from under the TV. It ran out and ran back. And I didn't see it. She said, what was that? I said, I didn't see it. What was it? And we sitting there watching TV again. And it was kind of dark in the room. And it came out again. What was that? I don't know. So finally it came out. I got it. Oh, no, it it went back and went up the wall. We have a very clean house, but it was a bug in the house. Okay, let me make that clear. Let me make that clear before you, what can they got? What kind of house they got? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we're messing with that. So he's climbing up the wall. So I get him. And, and, I'm a, and she called me bug boy because I'm going to get him. I'm going to look at him. I'm going st- to study him, see what he look like. I, don't, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't even tripping off of him, right? So, so why, why is it bothering one person, but it's not bothering another? Right. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you what he looked like because creepy ain't even the word for him. Amen. Why is it bothering one person, not bothering another person? Is because we all carry our own susceptibility to different things. And so while everybody's standing on the hillside scared of Goliath, there's one person who's not afraid. David looks down in the valley. All these grown men trained to fight are standing on the hillside hearing this man and they are greatly afraid. But one person's not afraid. Why is he not afraid? (laughs) Amen. Go to Isaiah. We talked a couple of things about how to overcome the spirit of fear last week, but I want to look at something else. Here's the number one thing you need to do. When you identify where your fear is, because you should have identified something today. 
If you heard what I said, I'm sure you identified something. Some of it may be easy to see. Some of it may have hurt when you heard it because you're saying, ooh, man, I don't want to say amen right now because I want nobody to know that was me. <laughs> amen. Go to Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Actually, we got, a, we got 43 up there, so let's go. We'll go to, go to Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. We'll start there, and then we'll go to 40, 41 and 10 later. It says, But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You want to know the first thing you need to do with, with, the, with, with dealing with fear is acknowledge your redemption. See, Christians, when we are dealing with it, the first thing you've got to do is acknowledge your redemption. Because when you acknowledge your redemption, your redemption actually addresses all six of those fears. <laughs> Amen. You've got to acknowledge your redemption. If you acknowledge your redemption, then you will know that, number one, that the fear of poverty, Jesus said, I became poor that you might become rich. Come on. <laughs> I became poor that you might become rich. So if you're scared of being poor, then you need to say, thank you, Jesus. I believe you called me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. It was God's will. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That needs to be your confession. If you ever find yourself afraid of poverty, afraid of failing, you need to say, no, God won't let me fail. I just need to hearken unto the voice of the Lord. I need to listen to what he says, not do what I want to do, but do what God says to do. And when I listen to God, he will cause me surely to go to plenty. Isaiah 48, uh, 17 says, Behold, I am the Redeemer, the Lord God of Israel. I will teach you to profit and show you the way to go. I'll show you how to profit and I will show you which way you need to go. When you want to go left and I say, no, go right, say, all right, Lord, I want to go left, but I'm going to go right. Come on. <laughs> Fear of poverty is dealt with in your redemption. Fear of rejection. Pastor Edgar read it. He said, from a book of Ephesians, chapter one, he said, you are accepted in the beloved. Yeah. Woo, come on, man. People can reject you, but God said, I accept you and you are accepted in Christ. Amen. I, I see you with your fault, flaws. I see it all. But guess what? I love you anyways. Amen. I love you with an everlasting love. With loving kindness, I have drawn you. Why? Because I love you enough that you never have to worry about being criticized because I love you. Somebody came into my office and they were talking about one of my programs and they were saying all this, and I was taking it a little personal, and then all of a sudden I said, it don't make no difference. I was about to get all hot under the collar because I was getting criticized. And all of a sudden I said, it don't make no difference. It don't make no difference. I was stressing out, man, I got I to do this retreat for these people. Man, I'm, uh, I want, uh, they said they want this, but now they changed it, they want that. Uh, I'm all stressed out. Lord said, just listen to me. Call on me, I'll answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. I'll show you what to do and the way you need to do it. And when you do it, it will be exceptional. Amen. Amen. When I did it, 
when I did it with, with all my concerns, I did what God said to do. And when I did what God said to do afterwards, the person who was in charge, he said, oh, that was great. I said, ooh, praise God. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow with the blessing. So people can criticize me, but I'm so blessed you can't stop me. I got the blessing of the Lord on my life. Amen. And you got the blessing of the Lord on your life because you said yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Sickness. I will not be afraid of sickness. I will not confess symptoms over my life. If something does happen to me, I'm going to deal with it. The enemy tried to stop me from doing what I'm doing right now. And I defied him. He's in my backyard telling me what I'm not going to do. And I told him, I defy you. (laughs) You come on in here. (laughs) I called him in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you want to play? You come all the way in. Yeah, because the enemy came after me. He tried to stop me. But you know what? He can't stop me because I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed by his stripes. By his stripes, I have been healed. And I am healed. And guess what? I have x-ray witness of what the enemy says is wrong. But I guess what I say? I'm not moved. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Woo, praise God. I am healed. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm healed by his stripes. Come on. Amen. Woo-wee. Come on, love. Your redemption deals with your fear of love. (laughs) You know why? Because God said, not only do I love you, I'm pouring out the love of God in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So you'll be able to love others also. Amen. Amen. reason you can love on others is because you're full. You got what you need. If you recognize that you have it. Amen. You're loved and you have the love of God poured in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Age, fear of aging, you know what your redemption does to that? It says your steps have been ordered of the Lord. You ain't missed nothing. Amen. You haven't missed anything. Guess what? I've seen more of the world because of the gospel. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You want to see the world? Get into the word. Get into the gospel. It'll take you around the world. <laughs> Amen. Why have I been to Cuba? Because of the gospel. Amen. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know what about else about aging? You have an eternal purpose. If you listen to God, you'll fulfill everything you're here to fulfill. Amen. I know people who've seen all kinds of stuff. They've been in a lot of places, done a lot of things, and we get to the end of life, and they're saying, I just wish. Well, how you got regret when you did everything you wanted to do? The word tells us this about Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, I've done all these things and here's the end of the matter. Gold coming out my ears. I built God a temple. I have expanded the kingdom. 900 wives. Why? I don't know. 
Because you should have one that you honor and respect to such a high level that there's no room for anybody else. Come on. I, got, I came back on that one. I almost went off the edge on that. I had to come back. Amen. 900 wives. Why? He said, I've done all this. Vanity of vanities. Everything is vanity. Everything is vanity. It's, it's grasping at the wind. Why? He said, this is the whole matter. You got to love God, obey his commandments. That's the end of the subject. <laughs> Amen. So you don't miss anything in life if you love God, obey God, and move with God. Amen. And you know, we've, we've broken away from that thing where being in the building of church is what church is. You're supposed to live your life with God, in God, coming together, bringing our faith and our substance together in God that we might go forward into the world and make a change and transformation in the world. Amen. You can't miss anything with that because whatever you love, you will take God's love and pour it into it. Amen. Amen. If we could just get people to understand that whatever you love, take God's love to that place and God will do a work. Amen. If you take God's love where you love, then the love of God gets poured out into that place. Amen. Amen. And then finally, death we know death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Come on. Death is swallowed up in victory. Don't be afraid of death because death is swallowed up. It's swallowed up with victory. Why? Because death is the last enemy. And because I've already overcome death, I don't have to be afraid of nothing else. Nothing else. Fear thou not because I am with thee. Be not afraid for I am thy God. Look at this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, by your name. You are mine. Woo, come on. God said, you are mine. You belong to me. Don't be afraid. I got you. Look at the next verse. (laughs) When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Woo, come on. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Come on. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. The rivers, they will not overflow you. Amen. (laughs) When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Let me take that back. It doesn't say you will not. It said you shall not. <laughs> Amen. The strongest assertion in the English language. You shall not. You shall not touch that. <laughs> you shall not eat that pie. Amen. <laughs> it's a declaration. <laughs> nor shall the flame scorch you amen it means when you go through hard times it seemed like you got overwhelmed or when you seemed like it was so hot 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 that you was going to be burned you don't burn and you don't drown hallelujah amen amen there's some things happening in my life I should have drowned I didn't drown 
because the water couldn't overtake me. Amen. Amen. Come on. There's some stuff so hot I should have got burned. I was not burned. Amen. It looked like I burned, but I wasn't burned. Amen. Other people thought I should have been burned, but I wasn't burned. Amen. Come on. Come on. It will not, nor shall, the flame scorch you. <laughs> Woo, I love that there. Come on. Let's go to Isaiah 41 and 10. We're going to close with this. Actually, no, we're going to leave. We're going to let that one lie. Don't go there. Go to first John four, because I'm going to give you this last bit. How are you going to overcome this? This these giants. Number one, you got to you got to count your redemption. Know that God is with you. Everything in your redemption says that you do not have to fear. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says this. By this, love is perfected with us. You know what the biggest killer of fear is? Not just love. Perfected love. Perfect love overcomes fear. By this, perfect love is perfected with us. Why? So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. In other words, I ain't afraid of the judgment because I got perfect love in my spirit. Amen. One day everyone will stand before God and whether I've been right, wrong, or otherwise, would I be able to say, God, I tried to do it in love. Lord, if I made a mistake, I was trying to love. Because I would have had to say, Lord, I was mad, so I hated them. But the Spirit of God has been working in me and he's working in you to let the love of God has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit destroy the hate that's in us. I've been praying every day for the people who stole from my house. I've been praying for them. I've been praying for them. Guess what? I'm praying for them while I'm mad at them. I ain't happy about it. But I'm praying for them. I'm praying the blessing of the Lord on their life. I pray that he that steal have steal no more because they learn how to work with their hands and do good. Because that's what the word says. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for opportunity for them. Because if they never give me my stuff back, God's going to get my stuff back. <laughs> stuff is coming back already. Amen. Amen. Guess what? And I'm getting added to. And guess what? If the thief be found, he got to pay sevenfold. Amen. So I'm, I'm expecting sevenfold back from what was taken. Amen. Amen. That's my expectation. And guess what? And I don't need them to pay for it. Because God can handle it. Amen. <laughs> uh, I ain't going to tell that story. Let's go. Come on. All right. It's perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is. So are we in this world. He's a redeemer. So I'm a redeemer. 
So if I get my hands on the people that stole my stuff, I'm going to redeem them. Or I'm going to give them the opportunity for redemption. Amen. I'm going to lay holy hands on them. (laughs) Y'all interpret that any way you desire. (laughs) I'm laying holy hands on them. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Keep it moving. (laughs) Amen. There's no fear in love. But perfected fear, perfected love, thank you, cast out fear. There's no fear in love because perfected love casts out fear. Amen. For fear has to do with punishment and torment. Another version says torment, but fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Amen. Amen. Remember what patience, let patience have its perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Somebody took stuff out of my house, and guess what? The next day I went out clothed as well as I went out the day before. Because I'm lacking nothing. They take my stuff, you, ain't, you, you don't make me lack. Why? Because I've been made complete in Christ. Whatever I lose can be returned. Whatever I got can be multiplied. Amen. And because I'm going to walk in love, God's going to continue to bless my life. Because I know his presence is with me. I'm going to continue to see the manifestation of his goodness and mercy all around me. Every day of my life. Because Lord be my shepherd. Amen. He's my shepherd. But guess what? He's not only my shepherd, he's my redeemer. Amen. Amen. My redeemer. Come on. I was encountered with something. I dealt with it, and what I let go, I got two back of. (laughs) Amen. I let one thing go, and two things came back to me. And it didn't come back from where I let it go. It came back from God. God restored more. Guess what? He's a restorer because he's a redeemer. Amen. Amen. Listen, tell your neighbor, say, I am redeemed, therefore... I will not fear. I have the love of God poured out in my heart and being perfected so that I'm perfect, ready to meet everything face on. I have giants, many giants, but I fear not. I'm ready to face my giants, understanding that I am equipped and prepared to do to them what needs to be done for me to get to the other side. Amen. Come on. You're going to get to the other side of what God has for you. Amen.
You get to what God has for you. No giant, nothing's going to stop you from doing it. And we're going to help each other by being accountable to each other to deal with fear face on. Amen. If we hear each other confessing the giant, the size of the giant, you say, okay, well, what are we going to do to the giant? Okay, we confess. We know how tall Goliath is. Now, what are we going to do to him? Amen. Come on. We're going to confess and declare together. We're going to strengthen each other. We're not going to succumb to fear. We're going to stand up in the face of fear because we've been equipped to do it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for listening to today's message titled, Facing Your Giants, Overcoming Fear, which is part 28 of our series titled, The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and our events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page on the website, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Also, you can please feel free to join us at any Sunday morning for our live worship services. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.